a choice, you know, to be there. But oh, yeah, it's an archetype, you know? It's just like when people watch, like, Gone with the Wind. It's like, why do you think she's, like, she's happy to be alive? She don't let them people? <laughs> like, what? It's like, she's not there by choice. It's like she was filling out job applications, stuff like that, and saying, you know what I want to do? Work on this plantation. Yeah. Now, ask her where her kid's at. Where are her <laughs> children in that movie? Yeah? Out of here. Real, real talk, real talk. I'm sorry, I'll pop it off. Yeah. Now the red hoodie, is that a Trayvon Martin like reference? Like when I saw that going through the comic book store, I'm with my wife and I see that she's from Africa. She's like comic books. This is a stretch for her anyway to be in. But I, but yeah. even that caught her eye. She was like, is that like Trayvon Martin? We're, and so I'm like, we're about to find out. Is that a Trayvon Martin type reference with the hoodie? And just, you know, that's what it, it came off to me as. Yeah, I mean, in some respect, yes, but the the truth about it is that, like, you know, that is 100% Carter Randolph inspired, you know, I had had some ideas for the cover, and definitely had, you know, seen him, giving him mood boards, it was like Kareem, the lead character in a hoodie, and all that stuff as part of his look, and Carter's just like, yo, just l- let me get at this, I, I know the concept, he's like, I'm going to do something like Banksy-like, and the minute he said Banksy, I was like, you, you good, go, let's just see what you come back with. And he came back with that cover and it just it slapped. And I was like, all right, this is the theme for all of these covers going forward. And, you know, people associated with Trayvon Martin, they associated with a lot of like, you know, current events. But again, I came up with this idea 10 years ago. Black people have been getting shot and killed by the police since police had guns. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that's that's not new. Like I came up with the idea for this when like Amadou Diallo got shot like this. This is. This is real life. Just because you have social media now and, and Twitter and like, you know, video cameras on your phone is why you're seeing more of it. <laughs> you know, it's like, but that stuff's just like, that's the reality. And we wanted that to define the cover and the concept. It's like, this is what's the black part of the black narrative. Got you. Now you talked about the come up. I, I want to try to go deep for that 14 year old who's listening and saying, my pin game is nice. You know, I, I don't know anybody. I'm hearing what you say. You're just calling people up. Um, one, you, you had talked about being a broke kid from Brooklyn, but how did you then, you know, form your team? Um, did you have money at that time? Because, you know, already finished college and all that. Did you have money and were you able to pay them? How does it work when you want to put this type of project together? Yeah, so that was the thing that changed a lot from when I got into the comic industry to when we did Black. Is like, you know, it used to be about going and pitching editors, trying to get them into your ideas and stuff like that and sell them on stuff. Black is my first written work as a comic book writer. And I knew from Jump, I was like, hey, nobody publishing this over at like DC and Marvel, Dark Horse, probably not even Image, you know, because it's very much a, a industry that's dominated by white men and white male perspectives. So I'm like, I don't think y'all going you're going to get this. I even tested it and proved it out true. But what it changed was like, you know, we have Kickstarter now. And I really felt like, hey, I don't know, maybe I'm wilding out and this concept is a little too, you know, Obama was still president. So it's like, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm poking at something that's, you know, not going to be true 10 years from now. Fast forward to now. But anyway, you know, I put it out there because Kickstarter is a great litmus test. I was like, if this idea is, is, is dumb, we won't be supported. You know, but if, if there's something to it, you know, I'll, I'll have money to be able to pay the team and make this comic book. So we're really kind of like rolling the dice on it. 
you know, and, and we put it out there. And in three days, we was good. <laughs> the money was there, you know, and then people just kept supporting, kept coming out and like they were feeling the concept. So that was really, you know, how we were able to like, you know, publish all the books that followed after that, you know? Wow. Wow. So, wow. so Kickstarter changed the game for you. Yeah. And it's a good way to build an audience and connect with people too. That, that, that's the real key of it. It's like, yeah, it's a good way to like, you know, fund your ideas and get money, but it's also a great way for people to like really show that like something you're doing connects with them. And that's what you're trying to do as an artist, as a writer, you know, you could be like the best artist in the world, but if nobody can see what you're doing, if nobody's like reading your stories or connecting to what you're trying to put out there, then it, it you know, it kind of stops mattering, you know? So for people out there who are like, working on like you know their art working on their stories and stuff like that you know when when you feel like it's ready enough it doesn't have to be perfect just you know put it out there put it on instagram like put it on your blog like you know put it on twitter and stuff like that share those stories with people and try and connect with folks because some of those other people might be doing the same thing as you so next thing you know you got a squad and i'm a consultant and when dealing with influencers and, and that's what you are. You're, you're influencing. You're an artist. But you're, you're influencing the game. How do you then, because I find some influencers struggle with then building their team and paying them because you could get, you know, $10 or a hundred thousand today. And some folks say, mm, I got a hundred. It's my first hundred thousand. My stacks, you know, do I go get a chain? I don't know what to do. And they were never thinking about a chain before, but how did you then decide to say, okay, I'm going to break this person off with this much, this person off with that much. Um, how, how does that flow through your mind? Yeah. I mean, like I haven't been a you know, comic book editor for like a good chunk of my career. I already knew how much, you know, you're supposed to pay people and stuff like that. And because this was a passion project, you know, a lot of my team was just like, yo, I just, I, I don't want to be on, I want to make this real. So you know, they were willing to take like slightly smaller rates, but I still wasn't trying to, you know, you know, cut, cut them too much stuff like that. It's like, I, w I want you guys to be, you know, paid for like the effort that you put in. So it's really about doing math, you know, mm -hmm. like having a spreadsheet saying like, yo, we need to, we need to get this much in a Kickstarter in order to pay everybody this much, ship things out, do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, it's, it's always a little dodgy because you want to make the price points on all of your rewards, you know, appealing and affordable. But at the same time, you know, you, that money is just going directly to you know, like paying people. I, I don't, I do not get paid off of black. You know, that's all for my creative team. That's all for like shipping and putting stuff out and getting it to people. You know, I do this because I, I have the luxury of a day job, you know? <laughs> okay. okay. Does greed ever like, you know, come through the mind? Because someone will see this and say, hey, he's talking about me. I have a problem sharing, you know, um, that, did that ever even just come through your mind in, in a slight sense? <clears throat> uh, I think that will come into anybody's mind. But for me personally, when I think about like how I was able to get to this point in my comics career, it's like I didn't do it by myself. Like I have my editor, like Sarah Litt, you know, Jamal, Kari, Tim, like Derwin, like the whole team makes black. It's not just me. I came up with an idea. And I found other like-minded people who wanted to be a part of that idea. So it's never really just about me or about my efforts. Like I'm a creator and I want to make more things and I need to work with people in order to do that, you know, and in order to do that, you got to share a little bit. 
Okay. And I want you guys to really hear. He, he, he's not scared to pick up the phone call where today everybody wants to email and text. He, you know, he, he called people to get to these, these steps. And some could say he had no business calling. Talk about the pushback that you got as a young artist of, you know, people trying to doubt your work. Because I think that happens with everyone where you have these elder sometimes who and you spoke about how you know you were questioned on why do you want to do this and and that's called you know constructive criticism but i'm sure there were some folks that said hey you're not good enough to do this and you're not ready and what did that do to you as a person i think the, it's, it's an interesting thing because you know there's definitely a lot of people in the industry in the comic book industry i think probably in all industries will, will say a lot of a lot of those things and, you know, some of them are, like you said, constructive and valid. And you want those people who are wise and senior to be able to help you refine your skills and your ability. That's like key. That's why everybody should always have an editor, too, like working on this stuff. I can't spell all the time, man. I wild out on a script and I need somebody to come and be like, man, that's, that's just dumb. <laughs> that's my editor. She's good for that. She's like, that, that's stupid. I'm like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, all right. You know, and, and that's valuable. You need those sprint. You, you need those, like you know, you need those people to bounce ideas off of. But at the same time, if you have something that you're passionate about, that you want to refine, that you want to put out there, that you, you know, you're putting through that crucible of like trusted advisors and people in your life, you know, the people who are naysaying it for the, I don't, I don't want to say wrong reasons, but personal reasons or whatever, you don't have to get their approval anymore. That's what's great about the internet. That's what's great about platforms like Kickstarter and stuff like that. Black happened because I didn't have to ask anybody's permission, you know, and that's been like our through line since we started the project. It's like, I didn't ask permission to like make America's sweetheart, but it was an orphan, it was by all the follow-ups to it. Like I didn't ask permission to make the sequel white. Like, it's just like, this is what I'm doing, you know? And if people like it and they get behind it, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter whether or not, you know, it sells a million copies. It's like, I don't need it to sell a million copies. I need, people like yourself to see it on the shelves and be like, yo, that speaks to me. Yo, this is talking about the culture. Yo, this is talking about me. This is something I want my kids to see. This is something I want my cousins. Like, you know, and that's who I'm doing it for because that's what Milestone did for me. If I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't have thought that I could be it, you know? Mm, that, that's, that's deep. I love the freeing aspect and also like uh, writers like Seth Godwin talk about your tribe will find you. Because I know there are folks who will say, okay, you have this book out now. You know, I didn't see you on The Breakfast Club. I didn't see you, you know, on the Forbes list, on the cover. So they'll try to say, hey, this isn't successful. And yet the success is that you were able to create this. And, you know, it is being distributed, um, you know, nationwide, I assume, if not also internationally. Because I know overseas, they'll see this, put it in a case, for 30 years and, and won't, you know, they'll sit it there on a mantle till it's worth, you know, a million dollars yeah. for the first bidder, which is, a, which is a beautiful thing. Now, you know, you had a post on Instagram that caught my attention, uh, I think it was during Black History Month, and you put like Hennessy and Popeyes, <laughs> Marcus Garvey flag. Talk about that. Um, I, I, I love that because, you know, talk about the, what inspired that. Because to me, that, that, that's the art that I want to wake up to in the morning. Yeah, I mean, look, the, 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 
the thing is, it's like what, what people don't understand when you're talking about issues of race and culture and, and from the perspective of a person of color, but specifically a black person, is that you know, the things that I'm talking about are just about being anti-racist and pro-black, you know, in, across the board. And like every time it's Pride Month, like, yo, I stand for all of my LGBTQIA like people out there and stuff like that. You know, they got a they got a great flag that a lot of brands like to, you know, throw their throw that rainbow underneath their logo and stuff like that. But every time black history roll around, it's like you don't know us. You know? And so I took a lot of brands that, you know, are associated with black culture strongly. And I was like, it ain't that hard, fam. <laughs> you can throw the colors back, you know, behind it. It's like, give us the same treatment, man. Say that you support like, you know, the Colin Kaepernick's out there. Say that you support like the John Lewis is out there. Say that you support the whole legacy of black culture that has helped actually achieve the American dream. Like a lot of the freedoms that we enjoy today was because black people threw themselves on the front line to get it, you know? It's like the, the civil rights movement benefited us specifically because we were, the, we were the target of segregation, but that helped a lot of other people as well, you know? And it's like, every time like there's a commercial opportunity to like you know get behind that it's like all of these brands ain't got nothing to say <laughs> like, yeah. for real i'm not asking you for like blood but like you can't you can't change the colors of your logo to like you know say you you support black history month that you support black culture like african culture like it's, it's not that hard no that's that's real that's that's real real talk but then you'll see you know a brand um come out with a some blackface or some nooses and you know you know and i'm i'm all for art art is art i've seen some nooses in art galleries of like dead roaches and i'm like wow that's um that's you know that's that's you're going somewhere with that and not offend it because i i like art i like comedy so it's really hard to offend me but the fact that you got they can do these things but what you did was very it was simple it could, it could be merch at the end of the day for them that I think a lot of folks would wear. Um, you know, so no, that's, that's awesome. Now you've got into the, how to build a team, how you funded your team, but the one part that you really can't buy that you did that I think a lot of folks struggle in working in the magazine game, that a lot of folks struggle is the distribution. How did you go about getting distribution and how do you organize that in your life? Well, that's the interesting thing when you do something like a Kickstarter that blows up and stuff like that. Like, honestly, like day one when we launched it, I had like publishers calling me on the phone, like wanting to like link up and stuff like that, come up with offers. We had like a, we had, we had a movie option offer like day one and I had no lawyer, no manager. <laughs> I had none of that. I was just trying to make a comic, y'all. Like, I was just like, wait, what? I got to do woohoo. So, you know, it was a scramble for me to, like, you know, pull all of that stuff together, you know, get legal representation, get a manager and, like, start, you know, negotiating this stuff. And, you know, a lot of what I learned was, you know, like, saying no is just as important as saying yes. Um, and we ended up linking up with Black Mask as, like, our publisher because they really kind of had the same ethos to stuff. They were very, like, punk rock, very, like, in your face and, you know, and hands off in terms of, like, what we were doing. Like, they... They weren't coming in and saying like, oh, well, we don't want you to say this because it might offend, you know, like a certain group. It was just, it was just like, go offend people, <laughs> which is a good thing to have. But we were able to do that because we didn't need them for funding, you know, and that 
that gives you a lot of leverage with a lot of people is to say like, all right, you want me on your platform, but like, you know, the, the money that you're trying to offer, like I got money, like we're, we're going to do this with or without you. So it's more about finding people who are really invested in what we were doing and wanted to get behind it because they believed in it. I wanted to be a part of it. Same as everybody on the team, you know, and, and that kind of energy is the kind of energy that we've always wanted around the project and stuff. Wow. So that, that they're coming to you, knocking down the doors and that that's an amazing story. And with the movie offers, okay, so you get your, you know, your team together and, and where are we in the process of the movie? Uh, we're still in the phase of like scripts and stuff like that, man. I've like seen like so many iterations of it right now. It's kind of like, I don't know anything about Hollywood other than like, you know, it, it, it takes as long as it takes and stuff. And it's, and it's really weird because it's like, it, it seems like it's going slow, but then you look at like how long it takes certain properties to go to like feature film and stuff like that. It's like, oh yeah, it took like seven years and that took like four years or sometimes it took like one year. It depends, you know? So it's really about just getting it right and getting it out there because, you know, again, this is something that's representing the culture. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful concept and stuff. And I think everybody just really wants to get it right and make sure that it really like tells the story in a way that's going to get people energized and engaged just like the Kickstarter did. Now, this is your baby. And I'm, and when I say, when I say baby, I, I see one of my kids, they left one of their, their, their books that we write on their lives. Right. And, and, yeah. and th this is their baby and, and my baby because I, you know, I wrote it, whatever, but they are it's inspired by them. When they come to you and say, look, we have a movie offer and, you know, you're in the beginning stages. Have you given up your full rights to say, hey, I, do you still have creative control? Or are they able to do whatever they want to do in Holly Weird? Holly Weird being the key <laughs> word. Well, that's the thing. Like, that's that's part of why it's you know a, a process and stuff. You know, I've I've had to say no to things during that process as well. It's just like, nah, I don't feel like that's right. Or, you know, now I'm at the stage where it's just like, nah, this is all good. Let's, I'm ready to go. And and then they're like, nah, we want to like, you know, really make sure this is popping. So, you know, it's it's like any artist. Like, you you want it. You want you want your best to to show. Um, but in terms of like creative control, you know, we definitely made sure that like. In terms of like the comic book content and stuff like that, we still retain complete freedom to do whatever we want. Because for me, I'm like, y'all's job is to look at this material and make the best kind of movie. Like, you don't have to make this comic book into a movie. I would actually probably be upset because I don't think, you know, Black makes for a good movie. It, I, I like to think it's a good comic book, but they're two different mediums, you know? I like, I'm, I'm a big fan of like Kubrick. Like, I love The Shining. I love that The Shining took a book that was like, thick and kind of dense and, a, and full of a lot of nonsense and stuff that you had to get through and a lot of great stuff too and just distill that down to a very simple stark terrifying movie you know <laughs> yeah. and that to me is what any good filmmaker needs to do so it's like if, if it if it hits theaters and it's like a crazy ensemble movie with a whole like wide cast that's cool if it's just like two or three people that's cool too tell the story that needs to be told that reflects what the book is about and the concept is about, and I'm good. But and know, also, it's only black people have superpowers. That's my one big stipulation. I was like, I want to see no white people's with and, superpowers in this film. And that's where I was going to go with it. Because Holly Weird will have Tom Cruise playing your lead character in the hoodie, and he's taking it off, and you're like, hold yeah, on. Yeah. 
you know. So yeah. that. Well, I think the, the good thing about that is that, like, thankfully, as that stuff was happening, you know, like, I think, you know, we happen to be right at the forefront of, like, a really big shift in media where, you know, films like Black Panther really and Get Out really prove that there is value and money to be made in the culture, you know? And I think a lot of that and a lot of reasons why Black did so well, and then you see comics like, like Bitterroot and Excellence and all that stuff come out and start doing, doing well is because these stories have not been told before because we have not had the ability to get them out as, you know, dynamically as we can now through online, through Kickstarter and stuff like that. And because we have been able to get those out there and prove that like, you know, Black Panther can be a billion dollar movie, you know, Get Out can, you can have black people in horror and have it be a very black movie with white people in it because it's about like what it's about. You know, you can, you can tell those stories and you especially need black people to tell those stories or else it's not gonna, you know, have, you know, the, the real, you know, culture in it. So I think that that's been something that's been become really valuable to Hollywood. You know, it's just like, we're not going to play ourselves anymore because we see that the results are so much better when we, you know, have black people at the table. So, so what's your, what's your goal? Because it sounds like you want to stay with the comics. You're going to let them, you know, do the movie. You'll, you'll, you'll put your input, but you don't necessarily want to be, you know, the next Spike Lee and say, I want to direct this and this is how no. this is going to go. I don't want, you know, my own studio like Tyler Perry. You're, you're in your comic book lane. Is that correct? For the most part. I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm an executive producer on the film and stuff like that. So I do have, like, you know, some say in, like, what's going on. But at the same time, like, you know, I even said, like, yeah, I might write a movie script that, like, I'll, you know, like, see stuff and, like, want to, like, give notes and, and whatnot. But at the end of the day, like, I really love comic books and a comic book medium, and I'm able to, like, put out ideas a lot faster that way, you know? So, like, you know, they, I, I was, uh, last year I got hired at the, the, one of the premier French publishers, Humanoids, because they wanted to create a superhero universe here in the States, or, you know, like, that kind of, like, genre of comic books. And so they brought me in to, like, just create, help create this world of characters and books and stuff like that. And, you know, do what I do, which is tether it in the real world, you know, <laughs> and those opportunities came because of the work that I was doing, but also, you know, because there's value in that for people, you know, it's like, what can we do that's really going to speak to folks that hasn't been done before, you know? Yeah. Well, as an executive producer, I don't like to just get the game. I like to give it. I'd like to see you come to a nappy, which happens every year in Miami. There's little things that happen in LA as well, but that's the uh, National Association of Television and Program Executives. And mm -hmm. we went a couple um, months ago and met Byron Allen and everyone. It's where you want to meet everybody. But yeah. someone like you that, you know, TV is running out of ideas. They prove that with all these reboots. And I don't watch TV, so I don't know all of them. But they, they need these fresh ideas. And just to give you another job, like if you don't have enough, right, to, to come because, I mean, even Spanish TV is like you, you're saying things. That they've been running the same um, novellas for 30 years. <laughs> you, you know, they're so bored with those. Sometimes they're getting uh, programming from Turkey. And I'm like, how does Turkey and Peru 
connect, but uh, I get it. And then so I tell him, you guys not know of this thing called Nollywood, which is, you know, right behind Hollywood and Bollywood. And, you know, you know, um, and Kim O'Wah's been making classics that you guys would love. You just need to, you know, translate them. And, and, And those are the type of ideas in my whole career that I've always had, you know, that's crazy, Kellen, but watch it come to play. Because they told me it was crazy when a lot of things happen, like Channel O. I don't know like if you how if you know like Channel O, but Channel O was out from Nigeria to South Africa, and it was better than anything MTV ever did in their life. But what made them classic was you could text during the show. You could text happy birthday, you could text this and that. And I remember telling Viacom that and they said, what were you doing in Africa? It wasn't how did they do it? Because you still don't have that in America where people can text right. during shows. So those are the type of things that I like to see. And you have new and fresh ideas. So I would say for next year in January, just hint that. We, I'm going to send you something off camera because you have these fresh ideas that, you know, they need. They'll catch them 30 years late and you'll say, that's my 30 years ago plan. I got all yeah, the no, no, I, I hear you. And I'm trying to get better about like going out to shows. And that's why I was excited about Emerald City and stuff. I had gone out last year just to hang. And I was like, yeah, I got to come do this show. I got to do C2E2. I hadn't been out there in years. You know, I'm just trying to do that. But, you know, again, with the day job, I got to, you know, parse that out in the right way. But, you know, it's definitely something I'm trying to make more time for, uh, or I was in 2020. We all on quarantine right now. But... <laughs> <laughs> When when the bell's lifted, I'm gonna be out there again. Now, now um, is your day job is it art as well? Uh, yes, I work in advertising. Okay. Because yeah. you know, people will hear this, and I just want to stop any of your cousins or friends from back in the day. Wait, he got movie money. He, you know, he has comic book money. Let me call him and say, hey, let me hold twenty dollars. But that you're still, you know, working the the nine to five. So is it? Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't that they cashed you out the ten million dollar check um, once they, you know, came and picked all this up. Uh, yeah. T- talk about talk about that so we can, you know, not have your your old cousin from back in the day give you a call. Yeah, I man. Real talk. I mean, like we 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 were lucky. We got like a we got like a pretty healthy option for the black universe. Um, so that was that was definitely unusual. But at the same time, option money ain't like quick job money. So let's keep it real. It really isn't quit your job money. You get an option like, like that's just that's just some good stuff. You know, the the if if the show comes out, that's good. Or a movie, that's good. If it pops off, that's great. You know, because the the real truth of it is that like you know, film and media are really just marketing for all of your like books and merch and stuff like that. That's when you that's when it really starts coming in. You know, but you know, so I expect my cousins to be all up in my like gram dms and on messenger after the film come out but you know brother might have to change it <laughs> like nah <laughs> but the truth is is like that 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 can that can be a good jump start but it can also you know not you know really it's about you know the the craft like you look at something like you know i was reading scott pilgrim way back in the day the film came out and that was all good and, and good money for like the creator and stuff like that but at the end of the day he's still out there making comics you know it's like that's why when people talk about getting into film production it's like yeah that's good and like hopefully you you know i can have that 
you know, bountiful career. But at the end of the day, I, I like making comic books and I want to focus on that. And if that gives me a comfortable life, that, that's, that's all you can really ask for, man. I don't, need, I, don't need, I don't need a yacht and 10 houses. You can only live in one house. And a brother can't swim, so I ain't trying to be on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the 2020 goal, because um, we might have to swim. Uh, we don't know where with this going. You know, we might have to live in the water or whatnot. The only thing that's yeah, man. <laughs> talk, talk for the young artist out there, and I have a, a young artist, and she does it. You know, she's just doing it for fun, like all good nine-year-olds, right? But I'm that dad who, oh, you like to draw? Your teachers are telling me, showing me this. Let me go get you a Wacom whatnot. What um, do you recommend for the young artists? What do they need to help push them into, you know, to help them out? Because not everybody, I remember being a young artist. Oh man, we're not publishing that book. That's $10,000 back in the day. You know, it was expensive to publish a book. So what, what can we get our young artists to help them out? And what did you use to, to get started? Well, I, I think the main thing is, as, as a parent, it's always good to encourage your kids. Like, I, I started making comic books when I was real little, too. My mom said all of that stuff. She was ready for me to publish stuff that, like, a three-year-old wrote. I'm like, Mom, you wild. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> it's like, I can, barely, I can barely write letters in the right direction. What you trying to do? Like, like I got that stuff locked up now. It's like, ain't nobody going to see this. <laughs> this is foolishness here. Like, it's a mind of a five-year-old. But... For young artists, like, you have the perfect time right now to, like, just perfect your craft, you know? It's like, I'm not going to sit there and try and downplay all of the stuff that kids have to deal with these days. It's not the same problems that, like, I dealt with coming up, but they weren't the same problems as, like, you know, my predecessors. But what I miss, because you will eventually have to get a job someday and, like, put food on the table is, is, like, get your homework done, go draw. Get your homework done, go write you know, play sports and do that stuff. But like, you have time right now to get really good at this stuff. You got those 10,000 hours in your life right now to become the best writer, best artist out in the game and like hit the ground running when you're like, you know, 18, 21 or whatever. It's like, because go to college, you know, you always got to have your backup plans, got to have plans B, C, D, and X, like all the way down. But, you know, it's like, if you love this and you're passionate about it, put, put, put your time in and if that means going to art school too like do that like you know apply to the RISDs out there and stuff like like go and hone your hone your craft um but put stuff online too you know it's like there are a lot of communities out there like put it on Instagram and like you know really show people like what you're working on again it doesn't have to be perfect you just have to be doing it now, are there any, now you talk about art school, are there any online or that a young artist can go to almost like when people go to Korean school or, J- or Japanese school or Hebrew school after school? Is there anything that you would recommend uh, for, for an artist? You know, uh, I wouldn't, I don't really know of any online schools, but like a lot of like comic book artists today are doing live sketching on like Instagram TV, Twitch and stuff like that. There's a really great YouTube channel called Strip Panel Naked that talks, that goes really deep into like the comic book form and storytelling and narrative and stuff like that. And they even have a digital um, magazine called Panel X Panel that's one like Eisner's. It's like, and it's really good information about craft and like how to be a better storyteller and how to be a better storyteller, particularly in comic books. So those are really good resources and stuff like that. I don't think there's, I don't know of an official school, but I do know that there's like so much more information out there than when I was coming up. 
you know, when you just had your heart, how to draw the Marvel way, <laughs> but, you know, and that, that, that's what, that's what you learn from. But like now there's just like tons of stuff out there. Well, what about even night school? Would you recommend, or did you ever see? Cause I, I just remember like doing things as an adult where I would see younger people and I'm like, hold on. I didn't know you could do this at, you could be a fellow in DC at 13. I, did you right. ever see anything like, like that? No, I mean, there are a lot of online writing courses and stuff like that. And most universities now have like, you know, an online arm in terms of like trying to, you know, get get your bona fides in those fields. But I mean, like, I was an English major, like, in college and stuff like that. I stopped with the psychology and stuff and I already knew how to read. (laughs) You know, writing book reports hadn't changed that much from being in like middle school to like college. You just had to use bigger words and write more of them. It's like, but like, really honing the writing craft came from, you know, I, I found a lot more value in just, again, showing what I was writing to people who are interested in it. There's, you can, you can go to like night school courses or online courses and, and even group forms where you can share like your fanfic and stuff like that and get stronger at, at writing and get good feedback. But that's, what's really key. It's the feedback. It's having people like look at your stuff who care and who are invested in it and saying like, oh, hey, you know, like this is a really good concept. This is really amazing. But I was reading through this. I'm like, you you left this part of the story like hanging and nothing ever happened with this character. So either you need to like follow up on that or just get rid of them because they don't add anything to the story, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And we're, and we're all subject to that. Like even the top writers and creators do that stuff all the time where it's just like, yeah, that's a big pothole. But you know, that, that, that's the part of the art, man. It's not perfect. It's very wabi-sabi, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> H- have you written something that um, I would say with your the night, night job background, have you thought of, man, I could make, you know, uh, for, the, for the culture, and maybe it could be something to bridge the culture between the African-American and the African culture for the education, because more and more African-Americans, more than ever, are going back to Africa yeah. to visit, some to live. So have you have you have anything like that in the works? Uh, no, but man, I, I gave it some serious thought when Nigeria was like, yo, we'll give citizenship to anybody want to come through. I'm like, where? What y'all do over there in Nigeria? What's the industry like? Can a can an advertiser brother get a hookup? What's going on? Because I'm ready to ready to go. Oh, um, so you haven't been to Nigeria yet? Nah, man, I haven't been to the continent yet. I've been, I've been to quite a few places, but I have not been to Africa, and it's on the list. Like, like I, I have my pens, man. It's like I gotta get to Johannesburg. I gotta get to Kenya. I gotta get to like Nigeria. I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta do my whole like uh, ancestry.com genealogy. They showed me where I'm from, and I was just like, what? It's like Congo in Nigeria. Yeah, it, because with your name, I mean that's your birth name. I, I would, I would figure, you know, you would have been there, had a plot of land. Um, but we're gonna talk off air because I, I'm, I gotta introduce yeah. you to some information. I'll say like that. That's definitely just like personal goals. That is, that is a real goal for me. Is like, you know, if if the culmination of all of this allows me to get a little something back there, um, that would be like key because one of my one of my things that I would love to do through all of this if I have like the blessings and like the 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 financing is I would love to just create international studios for like young black people to come into and learn the craft and work and learn it from people who are doing it get apprenticeships and stuff like that and just like be in these communities and stuff like that so that when you walk by 
you're seeing people like you doing things that you want to do and you can become a part of that. You know, you just got to put in some time. Like I would love to do that across the world. You're proving that you have those superpowers because that was my next question that we ask all of our guests. What is your community give back that you are doing or that you want to do? So give me another one or repeat that again. But that's my question to you. (laughs) No, man, like, yo, when I was, I, I, I used to live in Harlem and stuff like that. And I would always have my eyes on like storefronts and stuff like that. It's like, yo, if I can, if I can get it to buy this building and stuff like that, man, like that's, that's what I would do with this front. I wouldn't be opening up like a Starbucks or anything like that. I'd convert that to like, you walk by and you're looking at black artists making black art and you know, you can come in there and like learn, become a part of it and stuff like that and really create something that's like teaching you a craft and putting you on. So that you can go out there and actually like get jobs doing like graphic design. You could get jobs making comic books, writing, producing, and just all of that stuff that like you need to see to be, you know, like that, that's something that like, I wish, I can't even say that I wish I had, cause that's exactly what I did have. I got lucky cause I was stupid enough to call them out, you know, but like for a lot of people, like it, it blows my mind that I'll still have young people of color. Like when I'm doing a show, like, you know, the, the Black Comic Festival at the Schoenberg will see my book, you know, four years later and be like, yo, I didn't even know there was stuff like this out there. And that kills me. I, I'm happy and inspired that, that their eyes are lighting up. But at the same time, it's just like, we got we to gotta spread more of this love. I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> like, I got to, you know, I want people to see it and be it. Man, well, you, the audience has gotten the game. You and I, we're going to talk off air, but I want everyone to go in the description box Follow all the social media links. Go purchase. The links will be there. This comic book, because this book, you you haven't seen a book like this. I don't want to give y'all too much game because it'll be a game overload and you won't be able to apply what you've heard. So I appreciate you, brother, for coming on the show. Thank we're you. gonna talk, we're gonna talk after. Y'all be blessed. Like, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff so your friends hear this too. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, Tyson, and AL. The number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifiedgame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content. This, this, this is, is, this is, is diverse, diversified game, 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 game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. And AL. Focus more on execution and application and less on excuses. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today you guys are in for a treat. I want you to take notes. I want you to follow every word that our guest says because he is special. Kwanzaa Sajafo, who has created the magazine comic book. He's having movies coming out. We're going to talk about it all. Black. This is if Black folks had superpowers during this time. 
it might be true and we're showing some of them brother welcome to the show how are you doing i'm good i'm good thanks for having me on man when i saw your book in the comic book store i said my girls they gotta have this this is a must even though they're little right and i have just literature you can pick as you choose but i just want to get into it because i i've met many people who want to do what you do that look like you and who don't look like you how did you get into the comic book game uh i mean it's a it's kind of a long story but i mean i've been a comic book fan my entire life you know i started reading comic books when i was like still in diapers man like, I had my dad, my cousins, like, comic books were just always around, whether it was, like, Archie or Pogo, and then, like, you know, Casper, Richie Rich, the, the whole the whole bag, you know? So, that was something that, like, I just grew into naturally and stuff. And I think it was probably around, like, you know, my, my like, late teens and stuff like that in high school when, like, Milestone hit the scene, you know? So, for people who don't know Milestone Media, they were sort of the... I caught their OGs. They're the predecessors to all of the blackness you're seeing right now in media. And they had created the first a publisher where all the characters were of color. So Static, known to some of you out there as Static Shock, you know, Icon, Hardware, Blood Syndicate were some of their like launch titles. And it was the first time for me as a kid seeing characters that looked like me, that came from the same places that I did you know, that really reflected the culture and it blew my mind because, you know, I'd grown up reading like the X-Men, Fantastic Four, Superman, and you just don't realize when you're a kid, you're just like, yo, there ain't no black people in these comic books, you know? You're just having fun and wilding out. But, you know, it, it, it struck me and it struck me so much. And even though I was, you know, not even out of school yet, I, you know, checked the indicia. I was like, man, it's not just characters that are black. These are being made by black people. There's people who make these comics. So I called Milestone up on the phone and I'm like, yo, I'm a new hotness. <laughs> I, I'm ready to write combos, draw, whatever you need, man. I, I'm, I'm it. I didn't have a portfolio. I had nothing. I mean, I drew and wrote and stuff like that, but I had to scramble and pull stuff together because they actually said, come on in. And so I'm like, yo, ma, <laughs> like, oh, I got an interview with Milestone Media. Like, so I go to their office in Midtown Manhattan. I got like a portfolio that I straight up found in the trash. <laughs> yeah, I was a broke kid growing up in Brooklyn. Like that's what you do. And I walk into their offices and it's just like, it's just a sea of, of people of color, man. I was just, I was stunned and shocked. So I think, you know, it's just going to be like a little portfolio review and stuff like that. And they're just going to send me home. But they walk me into Dwayne McDuffie's office. Now, Dwayne McDuffie was the editor in chief of milestone media who founded it along with like dennis cohen and a, and a bunch of other brothers who basically started this revolution in comics and he sat me down in front of his desk opened up my portfolio looked through all of my character design my stories and stuff like that and he very politely closed it pushed it back to me he was like you ain't ready for the game <laughs> he's just like it's like but then you know seeing that i was young and stuff he he actually took time out of his day editor-in-chief for this like revolutionary company and just ask me, like, why do you want to be in comics? You know, what about this interests you? And, and, and he essentially gave me what I call the green book of navigating the comics industry. Because he's like, this is what you're going to have to do in order to, like, get in front of editors. This is how you're going to have to navigate it as a person of color. Here's how you get an internship at Marvel and stuff like that. And so it was my, my junior year of college. I applied for the Marvel internship and got it. But then I also got accepted to a study abroad 
in Japan. So I was like, ah, I'm going to go to Japan first, y'all. But then I got the internship uh, again in my senior year and, uh, and ended up getting hired at Marvel right out of college. So I graduated, went straight to work there, uh, working in the online department and digital, doing like web comics and all that stuff, you know, or digital comics when it was like, you know, still done in Flash and all that stuff like that for the website. So that was how I got started in my career, man. Now, did you go to Japan because, too, they're big into comics and you knew there was something you needed to learn there? Or did you just know that you needed to do that then because just, you know, the feeling of, hey, it's Japan. I mean, was it business related? Um, what made you make that decision? It, it was both, man. I mean, I'm a manga head, too, man. Like, I love manga because they will take the most mundane idea you know, and turn it into something that you just sweating. Like, like, it's no surprise to me that everybody's like, yo, I read Haku. I was like, what's it about? Volleyball. I was like, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, Japanese people will take something that's just like, like cooking or like, you know, I'm surprised there's not a sneakerhead, like manga out there, you know, like. There is now because you said it. It, oh, it just made me think of an idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway. But, you know, I was a big manga fan, really in the anime and stuff like that. And this was back when that stuff was even harder to get. You know, we didn't have, like, streaming. It cracked me up that everybody's into JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. I'm like, yo, that bag is mad old, y'all. <laughs> it's like, they're like the seventh iteration at this point. What y'all know about JoJo Lions? <laughs> but, you know, I, I did it because I love it. Yeah, in in Asia, Japan, has, you know, especially has always been ahead technology. I remember when it was the video games, and you could go get, you know, Mario twenty seven. People would say exists. You're like Mario twenty seven two just came out, but um, that that's oh man, I had to bootleg PlayStation games, man. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you learn in Japan? Uh, so I went to university there, man. So I was studying, uh, at the time I was studying like psychology and stuff like that in Japanese culture and, you know, got my certification for that stuff. But, you know, really it was just about like living there as a student, you know? So I lived out kind of about an hour outside of Tokyo and stuff like that, just like kind of in what you could describe as like a regular Japanese neighborhood, you know? <laughs> and I learned a lot, of, like a lot through osmosis and like just going around and stuff like that. And that was kind of my thing, man. I really enjoyed just trying to be a person there and not like just about the touristy stuff, you know? So people was like, oh, let's go see Mount Fuji. I was like, all right, but you know, I'm, I'm just going to walk down these streets and get acquainted with like where I'm at. Okay. And so learning the language and just kind of um, assimilating, you, you know, you hear great stories, depending on how you, somebody went to a different country, whatnot. How, how did they, were you welcomed as, as a foreigner? I think so. But I mean, it's an interesting thing to go to like, you know, a homogenous culture like that, because you, especially as a person of color, you, you find a different level of being other, but also not being ostracized, where it's just like, yeah, clearly I'm not from here, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so people are going to react to you a certain way, but they also don't have like a system that's built with a lot of like stereotypes and stuff around you. Those stereotypes come from like Western culture and like silly business like that, but it's not steeped in anything where it's just like, you know, we're, we're basing these on, on laws and systems of oppression, where it's not, you know, it's not like Japanese people just like, well, y'all used to do like work for us and thinking you like trash. It's like, oh, no, you're black. That's interesting. Hip hop, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, we invented that, but calm down. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't throw the basketball at you. Hey, come on. Yeah, let's exactly. <laughs> no, it's true, though. It's true. And, like, and, that's, and that's funny and more acceptable than somebody like, when you get that kind of stuff in America, it's like, man, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I, I let him know, hey, I'm going to dribble real good and then I'm going to pass because ain't no dunking, ain't no shooting going on. But um, no. And, and so let's get into the, the, the comic book because I'm going to go all around the globe with you. The the comic book, which, you know, now right now with the COV pandemic, um, you have a lot of folks online, name shall be nameless. Hey, no black folk have died that we know of. So they're saying, hey, black folks are immune. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to listen. And it's almost like your comic book coming alive where some black folks, which is not true that we know of as yet, it's not proven, have superpowers. And in your comic book, you you know, have us having superpowers. Talk about and introduce the audience who, you know, to your, your comic book, Black. Uh, so, so Black was an idea I came up with like 10, 12 years ago. Actually, I can say the book's been out for about like three years now. So like, yeah, almost 14 years ago. And the concept is what if only Black people had superpowers? Like that's the line. And it, and it was initially inspired by my working at Marvel and DC and kind of noted and noticing that like during that whole time, there were not a lot of black people working there, almost none. I was the only editor. <laughs> so when you think about that, it's like, man, if there's no black people steering this content, there sure ain't gonna be any black people in it. And that's not malicious, it's just like, why would any of you even think about it? It's not on your radar, but it's on mine. <laughs> yeah. So when I ran uh, the web imprint at DC, Zuda, I made sure that it was black, <laughs> you know? But after leaving the, the you know, big two publishers, you know, the idea kind of stuck in my head, like, yo, nobody's like, you know, when you think about those characters that are sort of outsiders or others, it's like, yo, nobody's pulling Wolverine over because he's driving a nice car, you know? <laughs> Ain't nobody like rolling up on like Colossus, like, hey, where are you going? You know, it's like, that's just not happening, you know? Like for us, the Sentinels are just the cops. <laughs> so yeah. it was it was a real idea for me to think like, man, what if only black people had superpowers? Get rid of the veneer, you know, of like, oh, this is, this is you know, just an ostracized group. It's like, and Jean Grey could get a job anywhere. <laughs> but it's like, it, you know, I wanted to get to the real brass tacks of it. And when that idea hit me, I was like, oh, I might be on to something. So I worked in the comic book industry for, you know, over 10 years. I met and knew a lot of people and especially of color. So I hit up my co-creator, Tim Smith. Um, Jamal Eigel, who's drawn everything like Supergirl, Firestorm, has got a dope comic out right now with uh, Hoy Comics and stuff like that. Kari Randolph, who's doing excellence with Brandon Thomas over at the Skybound imprint. And I was just like, yo, this is the concept. And everybody was on board. It was like, oh, only black people? Yeah, I'm with it. (laughs) And, And talk about some of those superpowers. Describe some of those to the people. Sure. So the story is about like this young kid, Kareem Jenkins, who, you know, he gets, he has an unfortunate running with the police. He gets shot and killed, but it's a superhero story. So he comes back to life, finds out he has superpowers, a particularly unique one, and that he's part of a small percentage of black people that have had powers for like centuries, but kept it a secret because that would be disruptive to society. And that's kind of his challenge in the story is that like, do I help this, do I help keep this a secret under the pretense that it's keeping us safe knowing that black people are still being treated like trash or do I expose it knowing that like, yeah, people will find out what we can really do, but that'll probably just make it harder for black people, especially, you know, powers or no power. And his ability is the way I describe it. Cause I love manga and I love strange powers is he can just survive. He cannot be, he cannot be killed. He adapts in a sense. And he doesn't necessarily adapt and develop like, you know, uh, uh, the power that he's been hit with, he adapts to whatever that stimulus is. So he gets shot, now he's bulletproof. 
he gets drowned, now he can breathe underwater. You know, it's like you hit him with energy, now he can manipulate energy and stuff. And it's something that's very unique in this world and very valuable, not only to, you know, uh, the quote unquote good guys like Juncture, who are very protectionist and want everybody to sort of keep their head down and stay out of the public limelight, but to terrorists like, like, oh, who's like, yo, you have a dope power, we need to take this, <laughs> take things over. You know, he wants to start a revolution. And then like, you know, the man, the US government and the man corporation, which are like, hey, this kid's power might actually be a key for us being able to get power because it's such an adaptable power. So, you know, he's got three groups pulling at him, trying to get it, get at him. And he's like, I don't know if I could mess with any of y'all. <laughs> now, <clears throat> Did you have you gotten any pushback? Anyone said, "Hey, this book, you know, is the the the, the race word." I'm thinking, "This is racist. Why do only black people have powers?" I don't know why is why was only the Fantastic Four white? Why are all of the X Men white? Why are most of the Justice League white? Why has comic books predominantly been through the white male lens for like the last eighty years? Like what? Like I'm not disrupting anything by having a comic book with only black people in it. It's like every five for this one comic there's like 20 other comics with just white people in it every you know 10 seconds but when you think about it in like in the context of race you know i'm trying to apply science fiction storytelling to something that's very real and it exists in our world instead of trying to create like some veneer like you know some some shallow look at like a real problem that exists and the, and the best fiction is based on reality you know it's like you don't really, you know, you, you can make up the like flying through the sky, but the real things that like, you know, like pull at these characters have to come from a real place. You know, and to be honest, when we did the original Kickstarter, I wasn't sure, you know, how people were gonna respond to it, but we hit our goal in like three days, you know? We tripled that by the end of the campaign, so people were really feeling it. It wasn't until way later and you got like, you know, Trump in office and a lot of people got emboldened about being racist, that people started trying to come at the book and say that like it is racist, but that's usually racists who say that. <laughs> you know, like they have they have no they have no ability to distinguish what is actually racist. You know, I, I saw some somebody on like Twitter the other day after Trump called it the Chinese virus, and he was like, "Well, it originated in China and stuff like that." And I was like, "Man, racism is so ingrained in you, and it's so easy. It's like sunshine for you. Like it's like daylight. It's like air." You don't even know how to distinguish what's racist. You have no tool set for it. You know? And if the asterisk isn't clear, I'm talking about white people. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, speaking of certain, some people need a black friend and not a black friend that's going to kiss their butt and is trying to fit in into this mold, usually, you know, tr trying to be their neighbor or working for them it's like hey my I, this was one thing you know my i'm not racist because my mammy you know she raised us and this your mammy <laughs> i mean that in itself that you're not racist because you had a mammy um you know and and uh, you know i don't want to call mammy a, a slave but it's just one <laughs> did she have 